0: This is Steve, and welcome to the 100th episode and first year anniversary of the Art Box podcast. It was last April when Rochelle Knight and I dreamed up a podcast for the Virgin Valley Artists Association, and in late May, the Board of Directors approved us to move forward. We would like to thank the 2022 Board of Directors for giving us the green light to start our journey. In early June, Tyler Roylance was our first guest, and we were off and running. We crept along, learning, and trying to get better episode by episode. Rochelle came up with the idea of mixing in some short 10-minute episodes, and Floyd Johnson was our star in these. We recorded some at his home, and he was always available to consort with us on this short episode idea. Rochelle moved to Salt Lake City in the fall, and Linda Harris answered my frantic calls for help and help she did. Linda's a master at recruiting great guests, asking the most interesting questions, and getting grants for us to go on the road. Our other occasional co-hosts include Rachel Washington, who was also our happy starting and ending voice, Rayette Martin, who specializes in our public lands archeology span episodes, and more recent Diane Alexanian, who was our Hollywood recruiter and co-host. Yes, the art box has gone. Hollywood. Thank you, Diane. Upon our year mark, we are close to 10,000 downloads along with 100 episodes. We have traveled to Elko, Nevada for the 38th Cowboy Poetry Gathering, the Marjorie Barrick Museum of Art in Las Vegas, the Mystery Ranch in the Way National Monument, and we have recorded one episode outdoors in Butte National Monument. We have listeners in 23 countries and 48 states. We started recording in the Women's History and Culture Center, thanks to Jean and Carol. We recorded quite a few episodes at the Mesquite Library Learning Center, thanks to our hosts there, Judy and Vanessa. In early 2023, Mesquite Works, with grants from the City of Mesquite, Do It Best Hardware, and help from C&J Blinds, built us a recording studio at the Mesquite STEAM Center. To show our appreciation, Linda and Steve will be teaching a podcast course this summer there as the Art Box is committed to building partnerships with our local organization. Thanks to everyone who has seen us through this amazing year, our sponsors, our guests, and our loyal listeners. To celebrate our milestone, today, we're holding a round table of former guests, all amazing artists themselves, to talk about creativity in the Virgin Valley and beyond thank you so much welcome to the art box 100th episode and today we're going to have a round table of the most outstanding artists in the virgin valley and maybe the whole state or maybe the whole western region
1: well somebody's dreaming here
0: yeah there's a lot <laughs> you'll of, receive that paper there's please. a lot of. Now, <laughs> so linda how are you doing
1: Hey, I'm so excited, Steve. We have so much creativity in this room. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Why, thank you.
0: We have a Roundtable and Tyler, who was our first guest. And by the way, everybody here has been a guest. Tyler is going to moderate.
2: Why, thank you, Steve. I'm excited to be able to do this. I've enjoyed listening to these Artbox podcasts, and so I'm excited to be able to help guide this delightful conversation we're about to have. Today, we're going to be going around. Each one of us has come prepared with a question for the whole table. We're going to be able to kind of discuss and talk about it without any further ado. Let's go ahead and pick on Amy first. Oh, great.
3: Great. Okay. So my question was about mediums and changing your medium. Do you actively look to change something or do you just happen upon it as you as you find new things? I know, Doreen, I know you change, you go from pottery to basket weaving I'm, and I've changed a yeah. lot. So I'm just curious on how you do that. Is it?
0: Maybe I, you change like every month.
3: I know, seriously. <laughs> I, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So <laughs> I like to combine the mediums.
4: I like to put beads on my pottery feathers on my pottery a
2: little mixed uh, media
4: pottery on my baskets okay. I like to mix it. Um, beads and pottery on fabric
3: I like to mix it but now you've picked up doodling a little bit too no. so it's like you have <laughs> <laughs> I know but it's like how do you how, do you actively search out new things to do that you've never done before yeah.
4: I think it, that's how you grow okay. it just helps you
3: Lloyd?
5: <laughs> well I don't have any preconceived directions uh, it's always kind of a delightful surprise to uh, to have maybe something just come across uh, in my in my memory or circumstance, and then hey, that would be a great idea to do a painting of. So it's it's always a continuous surprise as far as what I'm going to be doing next. <laughs> okay.
2: So you'd be like mid process working on it, so you're like, you know what, this would be better in paint. Let's try it that way instead.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, Part of the interesting challenge is that to get started on a project and then to change midstream, to go in one direction or maybe wanting to do it uh, maybe in a certain impressionistic way, and then either because it's not working out or you get even a better idea of caring, whether it be by color or, or, uh, or style, uh, that's when the painting venture becomes So self-satisfying, intriguing, always interesting because never know what to expect.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that happens in my doodles quite a bit, too. I'll be going down one path and it's like, ooh, either I messed up so I have an opportunity (laughs) or I just end up coming up with something I like better.
5: Your doodles are so fascinating because you can just see the uh, almost the changing thought process (laughs) in the midst of your doodles. (laughs) Sometimes and maybe some of them up, more than others. It might show up in paintings, too, Yeah, where you can see. Where I can look at a painting that I've done, and I can see the different stages that I went through. And it might not be evident to anybody else. Right. probably isn't. But I guess, oh, yeah, I started out in this direction, and then it evolved into this other uh, different uh, look completely.
2: Yeah. I had that happen on my last painting. I started with one one way. And then about halfway through, it just started to transform. And I made it to the very end, and I looked at it, and I could see it just changing throughout the whole thing. And I looked at it, and I said,
1: I like the way it ended. So I went and painted over the first half, so it would match the second half. (laughs) That's great. This is Linda. I was exclusively a porcelain art painter when I lived in Missouri. I had my own kiln in the backyard. I had my studio in my house. Um, My storage room was filled with china waiting to be painted, Then I moved out here to the desert, got rid of all of that. And now it's been just like I'm in a candy store shopping. I want to try this. I want to try that. So it's just been fun for me. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Steve, how about you? I'm not an artist, so it doesn't count. You You are are an artist. You're absolutely an artist. (laughs) I'm a photographer.
3: Photography is art. And
2: you don't experiment (laughs) with your photography?
0: Um, Yes, I do.
2: So what has inspired those experimentations?
0: So you know what inspired the other night? We were um, at Little Red Rock, and we were going to shoot. We were going to try to get the Milky Way over Las Vegas, even with all the light, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was shooting down there before it got real dark. And I decided to, because just everything was blah. I mean, everybody's seen the Las Vegas Strip, right? (laughs) So I took my focus and went. I went out and I went in and I went out and I went in. And it was it was interesting. It was interesting how the lights all seemed parallel. I guess now they should. So in any case, I don't maybe maybe my real art is the art box.
3: Yeah. Well there you go.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And and you five here are my experiments in trying to do different things. We
2: are your mediums. So. <laughs> well, the
0: medium is, and I don't want to stay on the art box because that's what we're here for, but all of you and all the other artists, everybody does something different. And Everybody's got a different story and why they do things like Amy's got all these things she does and there's a different story about each medium that she does and it's so interesting.
5: But you are the creator. Um, and we are your subjects.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I am more the remover of ums and os and ahs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: but when we make mistakes, you pause that clip and then you randomly drop it throughout the entire podcast, right? Yes.
1: <laughs> and he never takes anything out even if you ask him to. When you ask him to. Oh, no, I'll take to that out.
0: I did take Oh wait, the last you did take thing
1: one out. thing out that's for
0: That's right and I won't tell anybody about that how thing. How many
1: podcasts did we do YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> Which I very much appreciate. But
0: that's how
2: good you are. We can't even tell when you do
0: remove something. <laughs> so, I didn't even remove we got inside information on the Will Smith slap.
1: Oh yeah. Oh.
0: And did we you. left it in. Uh-huh. And I sent it to him today and we'll see, not Will Smith of course. I sent it to him today. We'll see if he says, oh, you can leave that in. Yeah. Okay.
2: I'll look forward to listening to that one. (laughs) Excellent. Well, all right, so we we started off with a really great question there, looking at the different ways that each person has kind of moved through mediums and why we make those changes, right? I think that's fabulous. We've, We've seen such a nice little spectrum here because we started off, we've got you know, painting and ceramics and basket weaving and, you know, painting and ceramics to painting, right? And, you know, of course, with photography to audio. So there's all sorts of different changes we've made throughout our careers. Look at all these. That's fabulous. I think we're going to interweave this throughout our conversation today. And I'll look forward to hearing all these different ones as we move on. Now, Doreen's got a fabulous question for us. Let's go ahead and listen to this. Okay.
4: My question is, what led you to the art that you do today? What, where did your inspiration come from in the very beginning?
5: Well, for me, it was family. In fact, one of my earliest recollections ever, I was a preschooler, and it was probably a weekend because my dad was home, and I came into the living room, and there was my dad with a, just a piece of paper in front of him, and he was drawing with with chalk. And I was I was stunned as a preschooler. I mean people actually create. You know, I've seen paintings on the wall, never thought much about it. And here to see my dad. And I just remember tiptoeing up to him and, and watching him and seeing him doing creation. It stuck with me for my whole life. And then later on, having two older brothers who became artists and I was just—I uh, was brought up not knowing any better. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going to be an artist.
4: What do your brothers do? What, what do your brothers do?
5: They became artists, oh, okay. and uh, so I just figured this is what you do. And always having, my mom used to be uh, asked questions. She says, uh, "Don't the boys get restless?" He said, "He said no." Just give them a pencil and a paper, and they'll be they'll be occupied. Right. And uh, I've been occupied my whole life. Cool. Were they painters too? <laughs> Not so much. Uh, we oh. grew up uh, kind of doodlers like like Amy and doing <laughs> cartoons. Oh, okay. So we did uh, cartoons for the school newspapers, and then uh, later in life through gag cartoons for magazines, and then uh, that evolved into doing more serious drawings, and I, beat, I, I ventured into painting more than, more than they did, but uh, it, still, it still was art. And again, my, uh, just such vivid memories of my dad doing that, uh, seeing a creative process being done, it was so impressive mm-hmm. and stuck with me. That's good.
0: Very impressionable moment. I guess I would have liked to seen your refrigerator at home growing up.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. Did your
0: mom put up the three brothers' pictures?
5: No, we had an icebox. We didn't have a <laughs>
0: <laughs> The cellar door. I'm sorry, Floyd. Quite
1: this, all right. <laughs> this is Linda. Even in porcelain art, I found myself drawn to portraits And it seems like no matter what medium I use, I'm always drawn to portraits. They seem easy to me, so much easier than trying to paint something else. And I've heard a lot of people say portraits are really difficult. But for me, maybe because of my math background, I love all the proportions and it just, everything makes sense with a portrait. Plus... I had 24 years of looking at hundreds of beautiful students, you know, so I knew my subject
5: well. And you do such a good job with it, Linda, that uh, success breeds more enthusiasm for your project. So when you do a, a portrait well, hey, I'd like to do this again. And, and it works. <laughs> Thanks, Floyd. That's true. Did you paint
1: when you were teaching? Very little. I never had time. Teachers have time? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I was mostly middle school, and it was really important at that age to check every student's homework by hand, every problem. So I had, my last year I taught seventh grade, I had around 180 students. So if you can imagine, and during the class time, I never had time to sit down and check because everybody had trouble, needed me to look at their work, make sure they started right. So all that um, checking homework started at the end of the school day, went into the night and the weekends.
0: Wow, 180 students.
1: What about you, Amy?
3: I didn't really start doing a ton till I retired. So <laughs> retirement's been part of my <laughs> inspiration. So like the last six or seven years, I did crafting stuff when I was younger, but kids and family and everything gets in the way. So it's really, I think, been the support and encouragement from my husband has helped a ton because he lets me take over the den. I just shut the doors. So it's like a fabric explosion in there. He's let me take over the kitchen counter, which I try and keep clean, but I don't with my my newest thing, which I found in when we were on vacation, which is polymer clay. So I've been making jewelry with polymer clay. And then the doodling is on a table behind the couch. So I've just kind of taken over the whole house and he allowed, he's let it go, which is awesome. So, and I bounced from one thing to another. I think that's the way my work life was too. When I worked in the corporate world, I never s- sat and did anything for a half hour. It's like five minutes here and then it's squirrel. Oh, let's go do this. Oh squirrel, let's go do this. I got everything done. But, and it's kind of the same thing with the art. I kind of bounce it all over and there's just different things that'll inspire me. And sometimes I have to take a breath and step away because I get too much going on. And like, especially with the clay where it's new to me, I've been watching YouTube videos and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't even know where to start now. There's so many things I want to do. So I have to like, pick a point, and that's hard for me sometimes. Is, yeah. is that you know where pickleball comes in, the whole yeah. step away? That's, that's one of <laughs> my things. Or my poker? That and poker and the pool. Just go kick back and lay out in the pool. <laughs> but I told my husband I have, we have to stop going on vacation, because now two vacations I've come home with a new hobby. <laughs> I come home with a new hobby, I'm going to have to get rid of something, and now I don't know what I would want to get rid of. I've about filled up my time. So Well, don't get rid of art. <laughs> no, it's all art that I come home with. So uh, we went to St. Croix and I came home with 12 pounds of sea glass so I had to teach myself how to wire wrap and made necklaces and earrings and then this last time we went to San Diego and I found um, an art colony in Balboa Park the Spanish art village and there was a lady in there that does I think her name's Gail Woods does um, polymer clay and I just fell in love with it and that's what yeah, so I got to stop going on vacation. <laughs> but I, because I don't know what I would get rid of if I, you know, if I brought home one other art medium. That's why I haven't started pottery, because I think I'd like it, but it's like, I, no, because I do glass, and that takes up part of the garage, and yeah, it's, but it's fun.
2: Yeah. So. Time and space. Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the space is about run out. <laughs>
4: we, we live in a three-bedroom house, and I have two of them. Oh, do you really? <laughs>
3: Well, my grandson, the bedroom that I use for the fabric and stuff, that's the den, has a pu- hideout couch or pull-away couch. And I, he'll, he'll have me show him on FaceTime. He says, Grandma, you got to clean up that room before we get there. It's like, I know. <laughs> it's like the couch is covered. You can't even see it. <laughs> How
1: about you, Steve? Are photographs laying all over?
0: Um, no. And I started with, because um, I started photography, um, to take pictures of the kids playing sports. Okay? And then it was a, when we first moved to Colorado, it was a camping trip. Um, we did whitewater rafting and we were in somewhere in one of the forests. And I came out because nature was calling at 3 a.m. And I opened the temp flap to go out and I looked up in the sky. And I, you know, a lot of people say something took their breath away. It truly took my breath away. So that was the moment I was hooked on night skies. Mm-hmm. And then I found out you could leave the shutter open longer, then click, click. So, and that's what I've been doing since then.
5: Well, and you have, you've had some absolute masterful nighttime shots. They're amazing. They're just uh, incredible. Thank you. So.
0: And I like mainly my, I don't care so much about just taking one shot. I like to take, because uh, I like the movement so the earth is moving the stars is moving i like that i start with a picture that orion's here and by the time i take my last picture orion is up there or maybe it's gone and the milky way rises and although the milky way yeah i guess the milky way rise but the milky way doesn't have anything to do with that it's the earth spinning a thousand miles an hour
2: yeah I'm, I'm glad you said that, Floyd, because that was the comment I was about to make, because that's one of the things I truly really love about is that movement that you have going on in your time-lapse. They're they're delightful.
0: Yeah, And I like other time-lapse, too. What's it called? Stop motion video? Yeah. Stop, Stop motion video, yeah. So, did anybody see, what was the movie of, um, oh, shucks. The Pinocchio
3: one? The, the new Pinocchio one? The Pinocchio
0: movie. Yeah. Guillermo I haven't Toro's seen it. Toro's Pinocchio. So amazing. I Love it? that. It's very well done.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen it yet.
0: And, and the directors. They have another, not director's director's cut or whatever. They show how they did it. Oh, my goodness. It just takes weeks. Yeah. For one shot. I love
2: those. Like the Leica videos, I love watching their director's cuts after watching their videos. They're very fun.
0: Yeah, because they build the set, and then they move it, and then they take a picture, and they go move it and get out of the way, of course. So I did Moki Marbles one time. I was going to get them moving in um, Snow Canyon, um, state park and besides the wind blowing that there was the sun so I'd move one Moki marble and then I have to take a picture but I'd have to completely get my shadow out of the way it took me forever <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay well um, let's go ahead and, and, and I'm gonna hit two birds with one stone uh, and uh, to answer both of your guys's question at the same time I'm gonna say uh, you know curiosity killed the cat you know, uh, like, why, what got me into art? Well, curiosity. What makes my artwork change so much? Curiosity. Okay. I, I, I like to say, what if, and then I go change my stuff up. And so uh, curiosity has been the greatest yeah. driver of pretty much everything I do. And uh, I'm always wanting to learn more. And, and so every time I see something new, I'm like, ooh, I want to understand that. And here comes another few months of me figuring stuff out. And so, Yeah. Yes, he is a wonderful director. Yeah,
3: that's I think a lot of mine too.
5: Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, I find it interesting about how one's fascination with other people's art changes. When I was when I was growing up, again I had family that inspired me. But when I took my first trip to Europe, and I went to the uh, Amsterdam Museum, Vincent Van Gogh, had to see. A Van Gogh original, or many originals, up close. It just it just absolutely was uh, mind-blowing. Undescribable, because to see a picture, a photograph, um, no aspersions on photography, <laughs> but to see a photograph of, of, a, of a painting is one thing. To be able to see an original, especially done by a master, was uh, was just incredible. I remember... I was standing beyond the uh, the rope guide you know, so you'd, you'd be three feet away from the painting. And I found myself just leaning forward to get closer and closer. And then to, to the point where the alarm went off. <laughs> <laughs> Two guards came rushing up to me. No, no, got to stay back, got to stay back. But I want to see it better. <laughs> so uh, you have to pay the price sometimes for, for one's, you mentioned curiosity. Well, the curiosity to see originals is uh, really, and we have our gallery here every month. We can see works by other people and to see what all of these uh, artists are putting into it and to and to kind of relate to, to what they might have gone through and say, hey, maybe that was a good idea. Maybe I should try that. Mm-hmm. So it's a continual learning experience yeah. because we're we're fortunate enough to be exposed to uh, all these other art forms and techniques. Yeah, that's true. true. Very, very fortunate. Very true.
0: And I love to see a brushstroke. I love to see a brushstroke brush on a painting. I love to see a thumbprint in pottery. You know, I love to see, they're not imperfections to me. They're part absolutely. of the creative process.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely.
4: must you know about Just let me know if
5: you want I think we're
2: ready for another question yes. How about you guys? Yes Wonderful Floyd, would you like to yes. ask the next question?
5: I think an interesting question is about distractions or how I can become so involved in a painting. I like to have a a talking book going when I'm painting to try to, something fed into my brain other than art. But what I find is that so often I get so involved with the painting, I can get uh, through two chapters in the book, I wonder what the book was about. (laughs) Because I've almost become oblivious to distractions because I can become so wrapped up in what I'm doing all that's important to me is I have gotten myself as Hardy would say here's another fine mess you've gotten yourself into (laughs) and I keep getting myself into these fine messes so how do we deal with distractions Linda
1: I'd like to respond to something that Floyd said about how you're so engrossed in your painting with a with an experience that I had doing a painting Several years ago, my sister was diagnosed with a brutal esophageal cancer from acid reflux, and it was just terrible. And the only way I could escape from thinking of her constantly was to paint. It was a great escape for me and offered me a distraction.
2: So rather than uh, dealing with distractions, art is
0: the distraction.
1: Art was my distraction, yes. It was a very healing process for me.
2: Absolutely. How about you,
0: Steve? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, Linda, and of course, sorry for your sister and all, um, but I believe that the Cancer Center does some work with um, art being a good distraction. Mm-hmm.
1: I believe that. Yeah.
0: Now, to take it the other way, Floyd, because you, a- you just asked my question. I'll have to think of another <laughs> question, but I have a terrible time with distractions. So I'm and most of the time what am I doing? I'm editing a podcast, but an email comes in. Mostly it's changed something on the website. But an email comes in. Then somebody then I go on Facebook and look. Then I get tired of working on on it, so I'll go do Facebook for a little while. And I've got all these distractions. And I listened to a podcast the other day that the guy worked for Google. And he did a study and said each distraction, and he's talking about work, every distraction takes 23 minutes. And he was like, why did Google hire me to do this job when all I do is spend my time looking at emails of what my employees need? So he wrote a program. But anyway, that's my problem with distractions. I have a terrible problem with distractions.
3: I'm with you, Steve. I do the same thing. Like I said, I bounce from one thing to another. So if I really want to concentrate on something, I turn the TV on to a murder show <laughs> that's just background noise, yep. turn my phone off, and that's the biggest thing. And, and it works best if, like, nobody else is around. If there's somebody else around, then it kind of, it's easier to get sidetracked. But that's, and it's easier now. In the last couple years, I've gotten better at dealing with distractions and kind of focusing. But I wish I could escape. And the doodling is probably the closest to escaping, because I'll, my husband and I'll be watching TV and I'll be sitting on the couch doing the doodles and I won't have watched the show at all that's the closest I come
2: <laughs> you know what's really fascinating because like well, as you guys went through your distractions right there uh each one of you kind of mentioned something specific that you're doing with distractions right because there's that specific thing that works for you this morning as I was getting ready I was listening to a TED talk where he was talking about listening to heavy metal and he talked about how for him, heavy metal is cathartic. It was something that's helped him with healing and dealing with yeah. his struggles in his life, which most people, and when you say heavy metal, do not think healing. <laughs> no. That is not the word that goes to your mind. But for him, that was the thing. For you, putting on a, a murder mystery, <laughs> you know, like each person has their thing yeah. that's able to help them out at that moment, you yeah. know, talking about dealing with cancer, trying to find that, that painting that you can focus on that will help take your distractions away. It, for you know art is cathartic, it's, able, it's something that can help us heal and get over things. Yeah. Uh, my uncle, when he was going through PTSD after serving in the military, he found that sculpting was the oh. thing. And so each person finds something about it that's just healing for them. It, it pulls them away from the struggles of this world and gives them a chance to breathe. and that is a wonderful distraction yes. that we can have in our life.
1: Toreen. Oh,
4: well, I kind of do what Amy does. I put the TV on for background noise, and then I start uh, glazing at the kitchen or dining room table, and then I'm back in my room uh, sewing or back in the basket room picking out a new thing. or design. So I get distracted really easy. I go from one thing to the other, but I'll have maybe three things going at one yeah. time.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My wife loves putting on the TV for back, background, and I can't do that, because if I do, I find myself sitting in front of the TV. Oh, I, I no. can't do that. If there's, if there's video to it, I'm watching it. Oh, you know? yeah. I, 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 I admire the visual, so that, it's too distracting for me to do that. But listening to something, much like Floyd, I find myself listening to audiobooks or podcasts. Yeah. There's several different podcasts from the art box that I have listened to twice because it reaches the end and I stop and I go, wait. What was this one about? <laughs> and so I have to listen to it a second time because I was like, I don't know that I necessarily listened to it. I was so busy with my painting, I didn't I did not pay attention.
0: And we're okay with that because we get two hits. Oh <laughs> I give you two hits? Because we're all about the hits. So I'm giving you like 150 hits. <laughs> <laughs> but only listen to three of them. <laughs> but that's okay.
4: I find that Facebook is kind of I'll be doing uh, Facebook, and
3: I go. You got to get off of here. Yes,
4: you can spend hours. Well, it's been an hour and a half. This was supposed to be five minutes. Yes,
3: especially if you've joined Facebook groups about the art you're interested in. And you're learning
4: something. Yeah, Yeah. I'm fused
3: glass ones and polymer clay ones, and I end up. It's like crazy. It's like you're right. It's like an hour and a half later. And then I'll be doing that, and we'll be have the TV on, and all of a sudden it's a show with subtitles. It's like, I don't want to read TV. I can listen to it. But I don't want to read it.
2: Oh, that's the worst. I find something like, oh, this sounds so fascinating. I can't wait to listen to it. And then they start talking in Chinese, and I look up at the screen, and there's all the English down yeah. below, and I'm like, dang it. I have to sit down for this one. Yes.
0: Now, we interviewed Al- Alina. The other day, uh, a brush artist from Las Vegas, Linda and I did, and it was interesting that she listens to music, but when she's in the, the startup, the creative part of it, she can't have any words. Okay, It has oh. to be strictly instrumental. Oh. Okay. And then once she gets going, then she can move to words.
1: Another artist, we interviewed Greg Summers, a popular Kansas City artist. He said he works on Five paintings at a time. Yeah. And he has them all around his chair in the studio. So he goes from one to the other.
3: That's the way we do it, just not paintings. <laughs> <laughs> I can
2: imagine.
0: Well, I think he stands on a little lazy Susan that just right. that keeps moving uh, around. Just, Slowly just turns like and for the next. <laughs>
2: funny. You know, I understand the not having words because like, I actually will have a few playlists that I don't understand a word of it because I've got a Japanese one, I've got an, an Arabic one, a Turkish one. And like, <laughs> so it's just like, I need something this style. So I click on it and I don't understand a lick of it, but it sounds <laughs> great and it's great for the, that beginning creative process. There's no words inf- interfering with my mind. It's just music, right? Because language is kind of musical in a way.
0: Yeah. It's an art, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just ask Paul and Linda.
5: (laughs) I'm kind of curious here, a different direction, but as far as the artists here, I would like to hear do you have other, or what are your favorite contemporary artists? In other words, I find that my own choices have changed considerably through the years, you know, outside of, you know, I said family earlier, when I was. See, I guess it was back in the 1970s, I became so fascinated because I like to do sports paintings and, and uh, Western art kind of action uh, paintings. And then Leroy Neiman came along, and I just became so enthralled with, with his artwork. And they weren't all successful. He created uh, action within a painting. Yeah. And now I find my current favorite artist happens to be Francois Neely. She's a French painter who does realistic portraits, but with totally wild colors. I mean, she'll take reds, and yellows, and blues right out of the tube on realistic portraits. And they're, they're incredible. And she does paintings large, you know, uh, equivalent of uh, six by six feet. Wow! And to see them, I can't see them in person, but just to see visual images of this, to me, this is, uh, she is my inspiration of what I would like to do. <laughs> now, do other, do you have other, uh, the other artists here, do you have other? Uh, contemporary yeah, inspirations? Contemporary
2: favorites. <laughs> How about you, Linda? Do you have any contemporary inspirations?
1: I still look up to John Singer Sargent. I've um, seen his work at the St. Louis Art Museum and looked at his brush strokes closely. I just love his work. I, I'm like with
3: Steve. It's like, I don't know that I could come up with yeah. a name. I, Lamer and Neiman, We actually own one of his skiing pictures, not an original, of course, but we when we had a basement that had was a party room we had, and it was in Salt Lake, we had skiing pictures, and it was one of those, and it's amazing the movement, but I don't, I don't think I can come up with any names. Yeah, I
4: can. I, I do love, my favorite is watercolors. I'm amazed when I oh yeah stand and look at water, and I just don't know how they did it.
2: It's oh, just yeah. beautiful. Isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, no, oh, go, something go to it, add.
1: Linda. I do like the way David Chevlino Does his abstract portraits, so I'm following him. Also, there's a great artist from Cedar City who does portrait or uh, paintings of Zion, Mary Jabens, J A B E N S, and I like to follow her as well. Fabulous.
2: I, I love that you know names, Linda. I'm so proud of you. I know. <laughs> um, I've thought of a few people, but uh, unfortunately I'm going to follow the crowd and say, I don't remember their names. Uh, uh, so uh, there, there is one lady that's really inspired me recently just because uh, you know she went out and she got her degree in law and then moved into her parents' basement and started painting. What really inspires me about her work is that she takes photography and painting and melds it together. What she does is wow. she gets her subjects to come in a room she paints the walls, she paints the chair, she paints shadows where the shadows are supposed to be, and then she paints her subject. And she has her subject come sit in the chair, and she paints them, and then she takes a photograph of the room. And it looks like an impressionistic painting of this scene. But you know, with the wow. flat lighting that she puts on it, the only shadows you really see are the shadows she paints on the subjects, on the walls, on the, and they're fabulous love them. And I don't remember her name. I look her up every year to share with my students at school. But I don't remember her name off the top <laughs> of my head. So that is probably one of my biggest inspirations. But uh, as for inspirations I don't really share with people, um, when I get distracted by uh, you know the media, I find myself sitting there for hours watching um, time lapses of artwork. I love oh, watching people yeah. that take the time to make a time lapse yeah. of them creating artwork. Yeah. You, you got I me. I love that. You got me. I'm going to waste an hour now. So there's some beautiful time-lapse artwork that goes on. And so coming to the modern day, that's the most contemporary thing I can think of, just people that will do time-lapses of artwork. That is so cool. Oh, I want to do
0: that. I want to take a time-lapse.
1: <laughs> this conversation wouldn't be complete without me mentioning just a few other of my favorite artists that I follow. Let's hear it. Um, Andrew Orr out in Vermont used to be a porcelain artist. Now he's he's quite, quite well-known out on the East Coast. Greg Summers is a great Midwest artist, and one of the reasons I love his work is because he always has a story that goes with it. So it's fun to follow his work and read the story about the painting and why he did it. And the other artist I follow is Billy O'Donnell. They call him Billy O., and he's from Missouri. He went and painted in every county in Missouri. And his work is in the state capitol there.
2: Now, how many counties are in Missouri?
1: I don't know, but there's <laughs> a lot of paint. Just thinking, because
2: like Nevada's got like 19 and Idaho's got 340-something. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, each state's different. I'm like, how many counties are there over there? <laughs>
1: Wish I could answer that, but I think it's somewhere between those two.
0: Will you guys talk to me about painting the sky what colors you use for the sky i think tyler one time mentioned that or maybe it was floyd because you guys have been on so many that you could take every color in your toolbox and use every one to paint the sky so and doreen maybe you sculpt the sky i don't know but if everybody could just talk a little bit about how they do their skies
3: so the ones the guy I did was uh, actually one that I had in, a, it was a doodle, it was the sunrise. And I used, because it was sunrise, used red, orange, yellow, and a lot of variations, it all colored pencil. And so I think I used a couple different reds, three or four different oranges, a couple different yellows to kind of get that ombre, the changing. And then the only blue I've done was a super light blue, and I did um, two or three colors of blue and a little bit of purple, actually. I mm-hmm. put in a little bit of purple just to add some definition or some uh, shading in there, but that's the only colors. Yeah. Mine is just
4: strictly uh, fabric, so depending on the mood, what kind of landscape I want to do, that's the sky that I'll choose, whether I want cloudy, clear, cloudy day, or okay. a, a sunrise or sunset. I have different fabrics to choose
1: from.
0: Okay. One of the other things, I think it was Tyler told me, that clouds are all different colors or maybe that was Floyd, that clouds are all different colors. They can't just be white.
5: Yeah, no, that that's absolutely true. And I think the most fascinating thing about clouds is that how you can almost get wrapped up into the enormity and the magnificence of clouds is because it's full of the whole palette of colors. You just mix literally every every color, on your palette, with white, and you'll get these incredible mixtures that blend into the whole variety of grays. So you'll have the the lighter top of the cloud, predominantly, even white right from the tube. But then blending down into the shadows, you, you can get the the warm grays, I guess you could say the, the, the reds and the browns, and with the purples. To get into that and into the into the darker grays of purple, it's like taking the uh, the color wheel and, and going for the complete uh, contrasting colors, purple and yellow. You'll you'll come up with a with a with a wonderful gray, unlike uh, blue and orange. That'll be a gray also, but the, then t- to mix these these two different sets of grays together into a cloud. It never never fails to amaze me. I remember once I was uh, riding with somebody. It was a sunny day, but we were coming up over a hill on the uphill part of it, just looking up into the sky, and and I was just seeing this this whole canvas in front of me (laughs) of clouds. and I couldn't wait to get home. Of course, I couldn't begin to capture but it, would, it, it had such a, a vivid image that I was uh I, I was thunderstruck by uh, nature had the big canvas that yeah. day
0: yeah, Floyd I love that you said I could hardly wait to get home
3: I was saying stop the car <laughs> <laughs>
0: isn't that
2: great <laughs> gotta put a pause we gotta stop on this one yeah You know, uh, just to further some of the things Floyd was saying right there, one of my favorite ways of approaching painting is uh, to do, and I call it my two-color mixture method, and so I'll tell my students you can only use two colors to do this painting, and the purpose of doing that is it forces them to use neutrals, right? Because when you take two opposite colors and you mix them, you get those gray colors. And those gray colors are your neutrals. And so we talk to my students about the neutrals and the semi-neutrals and those pure hues. And then we sit down and we'll do paintings. And often I try to do a demo with my kids. But whenever we do the two-color mixtures, oh, I'll do like three. I love doing it. It's so much fun. And one that I've, I've experimented with was how do I approach a sky if my subject and my sky have to be the same colors. I'm only using two to approach these. How does my sky look? And just like Floyd was saying, you play with those gray colors and there's some delightful neutrals. And then you paint them in a way that you allow them to go lighter, right? So you thin them out or you thicken them up to get them lighter or darker. When well, you thin those colors out and you get this beautiful light, pale, grayed out color. And it's this delightful neutral color that just looks wonderful in the sky, contrasted to the saturated colors of your subject. Pam, they pop and it looks cool, so it's really fun to do playing around with colors as you do your sky and approaching it that way, whether it be in you know watercolor or acrylics or you know or grabbing two colored pencils and messing with that.
5: So it, it must be fascinating, Tyler, to telling the students one thing, but then to show them how it happens and, and to open up their eyes to the realized realization that if you're going to be painting a sky. You don't just use blue for the sky and and white for the clouds. you got the whole range of of colors before them. And for them to see and to experience it themselves, hey, that's right. It does work that way.
2: I I think my favorite is when when, uh, you have kids come look at me and say, wait, but what what other colors did you use? No, no, it's a two-color mix. You can only use two. But how, how did you get these colors? And that's, that's one of the fun And, the ones, is and then trying
3: to recreate it, you can't necessarily, right? Oh, you yeah. can never get it exact. It sounds like a time-lapse opportunity.
2: I need to do that, right? <laughs> I love them so much, but I've never created one. Yeah,
3: sounds like you should. Your students are very lucky to have you.
4: Oh, yes, geez. they are.
1: They are.
0: That's what I say, too. How fun would it be to have Tyler as... I'll hold it. We do have time. Yeah, up. we do. On Tuesdays. <laughs> yes.
1: On Tuesdays.
0: Today. Aren't we? Today?
2: Today. I Linda, how do you approach your skies?
1: When my husband and I lived in Missouri, we used to vacation in the winter at Gulf Shores, Alabama. And our condo overlooked the ocean. So every morning I would get up and paint the sunrise. It was amazing the differences each day and the colors in the sunrise. That's where I really learned about all the colors in the sky. And you're right, I used things that you wouldn't think. Purple, green. I loved putting green in the sky. Yes, I've used just about every color. I think uh, skies are fabulous to paint.
2: You know, green showing up in the sky. I know some people might think about that. They go, that sounds so weird. But I have to say, I love that spot in the sky. When you can see... Um, a good sunset where you've got that red and it goes up through like orange, yellow, and it kind of fades out. And then you have that blue sky up ahead. If you look carefully in that spot that almost looks white. And just kind of just allow your eyes to just understand that color a little bit better. There's green in it. Mm-hmm. That whitish area is very green feeling. Yeah. And it's just so delightful because you're transitioning from that red of the sky up to its opposite, which is that teal blue up, up, up above. And they're so close to opposite of each other that it creates a very very light color because as light mixes it gets brighter and you get that bright 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 green and it's delightful i love
5: that spot you know this leads me to think about something else that ties in directly to what we're talking about and yet it's completely different to go from clouds into portraits i find that when i'm doing portraits now and linda maybe you can relate to this too is that to do a face is a little bit like painting clouds. It's, it's not just skin color. You think, well, a Caucasian has has this color, so you mix it, at, it it's a mixture of all colors. And, and if you're doing a black person a or oriental, I, I find that I've never enjoyed doing portraits more than I do now is because I'm thinking to do a, a total range of colors mm. within and I, I'm not doing it successfully as, as much as I'd like to. And it doesn't have to be impressionistic. But just to, to not, not to be afraid to use the whole range of colors within portraiture. A face is full of the reflection of colors that are all around the subject.
1: When I do my watercolor portraits, most of the time I use just the three primaries. The same with the oils, the David Chavlino Chiv- class that I was in recently. We used purple and orange. We added those two. So that was quite interesting and I liked that as well. Sunshine, lollipops and
4: rainbows, everything that's wonderful is what I feel when oh, we're together.
2: Lucky What's your question
1: you brought to the table? I came for advice today. And I think I already got some of it. I think I just need to move Ron to a tent out in the backyard and just take over the house with all my
0: ideas. But He, he would still be able to take his nightly sunset pictures? I'll let him do that, Steve. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Her husband takes nightly sunsets <laughs> and shares them on Facebook, and I like them. They're real good. I just want to make sure that you don't move him to a tent in the front yard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Being very
0: selfish, you. Linda. Thank <laughs> you, Ron. You. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ron.
1: <laughs> this room is just oozing with creativity, and I so envy all of you because you can... You just pick up and you see something and you want to try it and you do it. And I am so, I've taken these tests before where you check if you're right or left brain. I'm right in the middle and I struggle with that all the time. Uh, You know, just trying to even find the right lights for my studio, where to find a place to paint. It's so hard for me to get started on a new project. Because I'm such a critic of myself and I have so much doubt. I just I, I don't play enough. So how yeah. do you how do you do that? How, how do you just go in and start and you just feel good about it and, well, well, and you're not just second guessing which brush you should use, where you should put your table, where you should put the light. You know. Well, I don't
3: paint, so I don't have the light issue yeah. most of the time. And the you know the doodling, I don't. I ha, I do need good light, so I have a table set up with the light. But I think mine is don't be afraid to fail. What's so. the worst that's going to happen? You throw it away or you paint over it. Yep. So it's like you have to start somewhere. I've the clay, the polymer clay. Mm-hmm. The, I have a bowl of failures. <laughs> It's like this, all this, like, I call it R&D, right? It's the research and development phase. Yeah. And and some of the doodles I've done, that's my third or fourth try that you finally see. It's like I, I did stuff or I colored it. I started adding the colors like, oh, no, that didn't work. Yeah. So I finally started taking photocopies and adding the color first to get it to where I like it. But I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. There's nothing you can do wrong. It's a what if, and it, and like in pottery,
4: it's only clay. It's yeah. only fabric. It's only... It's only. Yeah. Just pick it up and do it again. You know, do what you, if?
1: Do you use less expensive pieces? Or you just... Because sometimes if... This is what happened with me with the porcelain art. I did it all on less expensive pieces. And then when we moved, I had all this wonderful, expensive porcelain art I never painted on and I gave it away. Yeah. So what you think when you practice, maybe... You would use less expensive paints, less expensive, no, but then you're, no.
4: for like my pottery, when I'm at the pottery studio and, and I make something and then it gets fired bisque and then I see a flaw, mm-hmm. I just chuck it. It's just clay. I'm not going to continue on with it because, or I'll set it aside and do, uh, samples, glaze samples on it, but I don't take it to the, fr- you know, to the end.
3: Yeah, and that's what happens. I have the, uh, the book of doodles that I've been working on, and there's a lot of them that are halfway done, right? I've set them aside, and I'm using the good pens. I'm not, I didn't use right. cheaper pens, because it doesn't, what if it does turn out great? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's like, and a lot of times it does turn out, it's like the first one is the good one, so if I've used cheap pens that run, or that are too, you know, the too fatted at drawings, then it's like, well, then I know it's not going to work. Right. It's not going to be my final thing, and I'm going to have to do it again.
5: But, Amy, I caught you in a lie. What? You said that you only do doodles.
3: No. (laughs) (laughs) Because
5: we had this uh, exhibit here at the Gallery of uh, Women Throughout History, and, and you just... Did that delightful painting of Lizzie Borden.
3: Oh, that was a doodle though. <laughs> well, with splash. No, it was, it, it was I did painting. add, I did add paint to it and that was another one. So that was one of my experiments. So yeah, it was a doodle and it was, you know, it was the, just the axe next to the dress, right? But, and then I, uh, but how to add blood splatter? <laughs> it's like, whoops. Uh, the blood splatter was watercolor. Oh, it was actually watercolor pencil. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I did it on, I had a big test sheet that I did. So there again, it's like I didn't want to wreck the good one. So I did, I tested on a test sheet. And so I was taking the colored pencil, get it wet. And then I used a brush to either splatter it like that, you know, to, to fan it, or I would throw it against it. And, and then it's like, ooh, that didn't work. And then like off the axe, I wanted it to drip. So I had to figure out how to tip up the paper, get it wet enough, but not so wet. Um, so it was just a lot of experimentation on the same type of paper. You know, I used the same from the same pad of paper, but I did it separately. First. So
0: your drip was real.
3: Yeah, real blood.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean real blood, but it was really, it was yeah. a real drip. It yeah. wasn't. There wasn't a no. A, it wasn't I, a doodle drip.
3: Yeah, it was a real drip. I, I yeah. It was a what if. It was a what if. Yeah. yeah. What if I do? It this? was
5: such a totally successful work of art. Thank earth. you,
3: thank you. I have added some some watercolor just. Experiments, watercolor pencil, and then the walk in the park one was actually watercolor on sponges, just <laughs> going around. But yeah.
1: Well, I think I heard something here too. You said that you don't feel like you have to finish everything Mm-mm. and make a mistake. No. Nope. See, that's what I do. I finish everything. I fix. Oh. Everything. Yeah. No,
2: I don't finish everything. <laughs> okay. So uh, you you would ask a question. I want to answer. Sure. And, please. And that is like, do you ever use uh, lesser quality? materials to experiment and um during covid of course you know the the kids are at home and i wanted them to be able to still be able to you know experiment with more than just a okay pull out your colored pencils today you know because that's all you have at home uh and um i had gotten a few supplies and put them together into bags so kids could come pick them up and one of the things i found were like these dirt cheap pastels i was like sweet i got this box of pastels for nickels on the dime like this is gonna be great and um Yeah, uh, let me just say they are terrible, (laughs) terrible (laughs) pastels. And, uh, you know, I'd have kids that go to try to do something like, well, I was trying to copy this artist right here, but I could never get it to look the same way as the artist. And I looked at these pastels and I was like, you know, I I can see that you were trying. It looks like you were doing the right technique, but these pastels are so bad. (laughs) I am sorry. (laughs) You know, and so uh, I don't know that it's a good idea to go to lesser quality. Things. You know it, it, you want to know what the good quality stuff can do right because different quality things act differently You know the colored pencils for example, you know, you get those really nice uh, You know the Prisma color pencils are great Well colored pencils are held together with a wax binder and depending on the wax in your colored pencil It's going to draw differently than others and the colors are going to change depending on that and so you know, why would you go buy something less quality to experiment with if it's not going to look the same? You want to know what's going to look like. Yeah, you're going to have to use some of your high-quality stuff. But, I mean, in the end, if you want it to look good, yeah. make sure you practice with the good quality stuff. Yeah.
4: I uh, do some cards with kind of like watercoloring but not professionally. But I learned I got some cheap watercolors, and they were like chalky on the cards. And I went, okay. <laughs> and I threw them away, and they got some good stuff. So, yeah, it
1: does make a difference. I know watercolor paper, the quality of the paper makes a huge difference. So, Floyd, do you have some advice for me?
5: I think your portraits are so wonderful, Linda, that it should be the other way. You you should talk, You should be talking to me about how to do portraits, because uh, without fail, I just uh, look at at the portraits that you've done and continue to do. With a total admiration. Wow! Thank you.
1: I agree. That really, too. That really strikes me. Thank no, you.
5: because to do portraits is—it's uh, a challenge because you don't want to make it look like a photograph, because that's that's Steve's
0: department,
1: right?
5: <laughs> but, so. Yeah, but how come I'm trying
0: to get my photographs to look like one?
3: <laughs>
5: so we want to have it look like a painting and still be. Recognizable. My uh, my landlord comes over. He says, "Boy, he says, I I sure I sure like your artwork, Floyd, because uh, you make your paintings look just like a photograph." And. <laughs> I- what an insult. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't. Your paintings are beautiful. No, but, but you... I, I don't want to have my, yeah. my portraits to look, like look like a photograph. Right. And if they do, that means I failed. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes. Well, you have so much color in your portraits.
5: That's what I... I, I learned from Floyd. <laughs> well, again, I talked about my, my current favorite uh, artist, contemporary artist, being Francois Neely, who is just so totally emboldened to be uh, completely unafraid to use bold colors. And uh, it's uh, it's just fun to see the extent of how far one can carry. We shouldn't be afraid to try to to carry one's uh, desire for experimentation. It's so easy to get caught into a trap of, well, I remember I did this I did this painting or this portrait before it, and I use this technique and I know this is going to work, so I'll do it again and again and again. Well, then you're in a Ford factory turning out the yeah. same off <laughs> and yeah. you don't want to get caught into doing that, so it's more fun to approach it. Well, I've never tried this before,
0: but let's see what happens. Yep,
1: mm-hmm. I love that.
2: Avoid the factory light,
1: I like that So thought. what if Steve, you have some advice for me?
0: Well, I think about other than, this.
1: Other than put Ron in the backyard no yeah don't backyard. put <laughs>
0: don't put Ron in the backyard but what you're looking for but it's, it still gets back to the distraction thing you could rent a studio from the art gallery okay, and that would be fine you could go there it would be quiet maybe unless somebody else is doing something there but but then you got to get there and then you got to get home you know, and you're looking mm-hmm. for the the panacea where you can say, oh, I'm watching this TV show, and I'm tired of this. I'm going to go paint for a half hour. Okay, well, if you had your studio somewhere else outside your house, you would have to drive there. So you've you, you got to dedicate one of your bedrooms.
1: Yep. You bring up a good point that a lot of people will take a class because it's a regular routine for painting acrylics or watercolor. I started the plein air group so that it would make me get out and paint, <laughs> so I have to do that once a month, but
4: that's that's a good point. I hope you join the St. George group, because I know those girls, and I thought of you when they, they just uh, started doing that.
1: They paint a lot in Zion, don't mm-hmm. they? I have been following them so far. I've missed seeing when they went out yeah. on time for me to get out there, but... They're really good. I've noticed that. And I take my little TV tray and, you know, my inexpensive supplies, but that's okay. That's fun. It It gets me going.
0: And I think really good is a good thing, but I don't think I'm coming tomorrow to your plein air, and I'm not really going to be good, but I'm going to go outside and relax and paint. I won't be happy with what I paint, but I'm going to have a relaxing (laughs) couple hours.
1: Uh, I'm glad you're coming, and I'm hearing that I need a dedicated space. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a dedicated yeah. space, yeah. which is is good. I I will take over the guest room. There you go.
5: <laughs>
0: Excellent, and the garage.
5: Well, as Steve can attest to, he's been to my house. I live alone. I've taken over the whole house before.
3: <laughs> Every wall, floor to ceiling. Yeah,
5: that's literally, yeah. in my case, the floor to ceiling. Yeah,
3: I've been to your house, too.
0: <laughs> Including the bathrooms.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's
2: amazing. Heaven forbid there be a bare wall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Steve and I are doing a podcast with you a little bit later today at your house. I'm so excited yep. to I'm see
2: I'm looking that. forward to having you there. We have gone through a hundred episodes on the art box. And so in celebration of the hundredth episode, I would like to ask a question to all of you. As we've been going through, we've been listening to all sorts of different people telling their stories throughout all sorts of different types of art. And one of the things I've truly enjoyed about listening to the art box podcast is the different types of art we've listened to. We've heard cowboy poets. We've heard stuntmen. We've heard land art there are so many types of artwork out there that we have been able to experience through the art box podcast which is also an art form of itself and that leads me to my question of what out there do we find as art there's so many types of art out there the the art hallway at the school you've got the culinary down on the corner you've got the orchestra band theater and the art room And photography, there's so many different types of arts out there. What is art? What is an art form that maybe others don't view as art that you find to be fascinating? I'm going to ask you guys to think outside of the box for a moment. And what type of artworks out there that we really don't admire as art?
1: This is easy for me, Tyler, because when I get a really good hairdresser, I always notice that they are artists as well. Truly,
3: my, mine would be some of the uh, the baking. So I watch some of the baking shows on TV, and it's like, oh my God, how does he? And especially when you get the kids that can do some of this stuff. So just just the culinary. You, I think you mentioned culinary arts. It's like, it's an art form with the baking and decorating, but also even with regular food and how you can put it on a plate and make it like look like you don't want to eat it because it's so pretty. <laughs>
2: The, the kids in the culinary this year had a project where they had to decorate the plate. And it oh. was funny because I, I don't think it was even like regular foods. I think they, I don't remember what they used to decorate the plates, but it was just like they did like a Twinkie on a plate, but then they had to decorate the plate and they decorated with like frosting. Yeah. You know, like yeah. garnish it and all that stuff. And it was like, it was funny because it was like all these things you normally don't see decorated being decorated on a plate. Right. And so I was like, oh, that's a great, out, yeah. uh, you know, roundabout way to make force the kids to think about how do you decorate a yeah. plate. Because yeah. well,
3: like a lot of the baking shows, they have a theme that they're working within. And so to see the different interpretations of that theme is always amazing, too. How Everybody's mind works so different. And it's just, it, to me,
1: it's a big form of art, edible art. <laughs> Steve, can we have a conversation about a themes now?
3: He 's cutting that out
0: <laughs> no, but I will see you can have a conversation about themes if you want. Uh, what I would like to say is that so through and thank you, Tyler, for this, but through those hundred episodes, we've had just an amazing array of artists okay some of it who would who would have thunk so what I 'd like to say is I hope that the next two hundred episodes um we will find art that we didn't know was art, but actually everything is art. But yeah. some that we don't think of as art, some that can't be. You, well, maybe you can, Amy. Maybe you should try. You, you could put a plate of food in an exhibition. Oh, I'm not doing food. So, <laughs> I
3: eat it. <laughs> okay,
0: but but, it, but it's art. So yeah. what, what other art can we do that we? Can't put on the walls.
5: Well, music would be a, a, yeah. a, a totally realistic to me. To got uh, a friend of mine is a, a piano player and doesn't read a, a bit of uh, music, but he just he picks it all up. Uh, and to to see. I could just say, a real artist at a keyboard to be able to create yeah. music and, and to. To, uh, to go from one, you can just almost see his mind working through his fingers as he, he goes from one melody flawlessly into another just because his, his mind is creating this, uh, this magic before him. Uh, we as artists create created uh, visually through the, through the paint or the, the doodling or, or the weaving. It's no less magical for a yeah. musician. It doesn't have to just be a piano player. Any form of music of uh, creation, and for them to interpret it in their own way, it's, uh, it's magical.
0: Yeah, we want to interview him, Floyd. Uh,
5: he would be a great subject.
0: Yeah, there you yeah, go. There you go. Hopefully in the next 100 episodes, we're going to find out different forms of art. Yeah. Absolutely. And
1: Steve, when we recently interviewed Nicholas Jacobson, we found out that all art is not necessarily beautiful, but made to be impactful. It could be so shocking and terrible, but if it impacted you in a certain way, it, it was also art.
2: The message doesn't always have to be beautiful to be sent.
0: Right. right. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up.
2: I think it'd be really fun to have the the music, having the, he plays piano, you were saying, right? Having having an artist like that to be interviewed, it'd be really fun. It actually reminded me of when I was a teenager, uh, you know, uh, uh, I I forgot I had done this, but I had gone up to this musician who's standing there with his saxophone playing there in front of his case. And I said, tell me a story. (laughs) And bless his heart, he did the most amazing thing. He just stopped, started playing this song, and then he said, There's a tugboat and he just kept playing it. It sounded like, you know, you know, just made you think of the water, and then he started telling the story he never knew like, he'd say some things and keep playing. And it turned into a story about this sailing on the sea, there's a storm that comes and then, like like a fish is caught or something like that. And like and I was like, wow, I was just blown away. It turned into a story. You know, it was just me being uh, a teenager thinking I was doing something stupid for fun, like pranking this guy. Oh, I'm going to <laughs>
1: something,
2: something amazing. It blew me away. And so I'd forgotten about that, uh, you know? And as you're t- talking about how music can tell a story, I remembered that. I was like, oh, I forgot about that experience I had.
1: It was what a great a experience, I
4: huh? I can think the voice is artful. There, I don't know what I was watching um, and it showed this young man and he, he sang in two voices. He, you thought there was two people standing there wow. and it was just his. It,
0: Lead us to a
5: place. Guide us with your
0: grace You must wait so well inside.
4: I hope I can locate it again, because it just hit you. Because it was just gorgeous. And it was one person. So the voice is also very artful. Yeah.
2: i trying to think of the name. There's an artist I know that can do that. I'm trying to think of his name. Yeah. Really? Wow. He yeah, was, he can uh, sing high and low at yes, the same time. Yes.
5: It was he has just, one where
2: he's singing the Lion King, and he's singing, a whim-a-way, a whim-a-way, and he's singing the at, the same, time. Yeah. at wow. the same time. At the same time? So he's doing both of them at the same time, and so you've got both of them going. Wow. Yeah. wow. I
4: can't that touches you.
2: Yeah, it's really it cool. The, the amazing thing, there's a French artist that can do it as well, and I don't remember her name. But Wow.
5: Yeah. Linda used this phrase, that no, not all art turns out necessarily good, but it can still be fascinating. My landlord said that several years ago, he went to a, a Costco store. It wouldn't have been in the one in St. George. I think it was probably the one in San Diego. And uh, there was a crowd gathered at the uh, at the entryway there, and he went over there, and there was the actor, Tony Curtis, who was exhibiting and showing his artwork. Oh. And I never knew that he did artwork. And uh, I, so I asked him, I... I asked my landlady, "Well, how was the artwork?" He says, "Well, I don't know. I just went there to see Tony Curtis."
3: <laughs> and so, uh,
5: when I got home, uh, I looked up online and I saw that he was selling his drawings for twenty thousand and his paintings for thirty and forty thousand. So I came away with that with an inspiration, not to do his artwork. But I was thinking about changing my name to Tony Curtis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can all have different directions and inspirations, but it's very obvious that we all inspire each other. And it's safe to say that uh, that's, what, that's what keeps us going. And if we can inspire others, as others have inspired us, uh, we are truly blessed.
1: Yes. Yes. That's a real good way to end this session.
2: <laughs> I was yes. going to say,
0: that's the way to... But Tyler has to end it because he's the uh, moderator.
2: Oh, don't mind if I do. Well, I want to thank all of you for being here today. We've we've had so many delightful questions and answers giving during this time. And uh, we've been able to go through so many different topics just on the, the way that we express creativity and experience art. And it's been a wonderful journey to go through a hundred episodes and we look for the next 200 episodes. And so all of us are here because we're grateful for you, Steve and Linda, yes. for hosting the Artbox podcast and creating a beautiful art form that we can listen to in our own way. Well,
5: thank you, Tyler. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Linda. Yes, thank, thank you. you.
0: Yeah, thank all of you. We've just had the best guests we do it's amazing I always wonder I'm always worried we're going to have a really bad guest and what will we do oh my god how will we handle we just we just don't you know we've been having these Hollywood guys lately and thinking what if they're terrible and but no they're just everybody it seems like when you get down to art everybody is the same in a way they all are, are expressing it with their heart
1: that's true Thank you all for being here today. You're a wonderful yep. guest, fantastic artist, and we appreciate you so much.
5: It was our pleasure.
0: Yep. Thank, thank you. you.
1: Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests
0: and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.